Welcome back to One Giant Podcast. Along with Andy Makowitz, I'm Adam Armbrecht, coming to you once again, talking all things New York football giants. And as we head into a Sunday matchup at 1 p.m. against the Green Bay Packers, we check in with you, Andy. How are we feeling? Have we just kind of allowed the state of the franchise to roll over us a little bit? I know we're starting to dive into the details now. We're getting into the margins this season. What's your outlook? Well, it's not good, Adam. I, I, I can I can start out happy Thanksgiving. Hopefully, uh, you, you had a good time with the family. Um, you know, before we even kick off uh, what I think is going to be a little bit of doom and gloom uh, for, for this weekend, what was your favorite part of Thanksgiving? Do you have Do you have a go to side dish or app or something that you guys eat? Oh man, good good for you, man. Because I was going to totally blow by the holiday and give give nothing to the to the fan base that is just probably enjoying a nice recovery still from uh, from Turkey Day. Yeah, we went to uh, we had two stops at at Courtney's aunt's house and then at my aunt's house. Uh, boy, what was the what was the best takeaway that I had there? We had well, I had uh, one of Courtney's aunts, uh, Tenta Barbara, was nice enough to make me a gluten free pumpkin pie. And it had the crust made out of dates and a different nuts blend that, uh, to make it all delicious for me. So I'm going to go with that one. I love me some, some pumpkin pie to begin with and then just the thoughtfulness that went into it. So that was my big, that was my big eats for, for Turkey Day. How about you, man? Yeah, excellent. Yeah. So I, uh, I spent time with my family up at my brother's place. We have, uh, the, I mean, the food was, was incredible. He did dry brine on the turkey. Obviously, uh, the go-to a home run always is, is the stuffing as a side, but I like just throwing gravy on anything that's on the plate. So uh, we finish up with a game, a customary game of password every year, and it gets pretty intense and a lot of bottles of wine. So gr- great times, great food, great eats, and, uh, you know, it, it was a really good time on Thursday. That's nice. Yeah, a nice little bit. Of, I think, like, gravy is probably – I was talking about this with uh, with Doug Norrie and his general uh, accepting or not necessarily agreeing with Thanksgiving being the most high-quality food so much as it's just the occasion. But I think gravy is a nice that, – that's one of those things you only have a couple times a year, maybe around Christmas as well. But you just slather that over any type of meat or potato product. That's, that spells success for me. And it sounds like you guys uh, – did you win Password? That's the most important thing. I was eliminated in the first round of our uh our 10 team bracket or whatever it was so it it was not a it was not a successful um password game by any means but i mean the wine was flown the whole time so we we all had fun (laughs) right well anyway that's all that matters certainly i'm glad that you guys enjoyed your holiday over there first one for uh for little rory first major holiday right i guess he gets he got halloween too but this is a family kind of holiday so first one for the for the wee boy there as well who's been giving you uh uh, a lot of understanding and cooperation this morning, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, oh yeah, it was, it was great. You know, uh, have, having a, just a baby, almost about a month and a half old, you know, waking up at four thirty-five in the morning and uh, soothing a crying baby for two hours. Mm-hmm. And, and then we get to talk about all things related to the New York giants and the way this season's going, you know, that's a, that's a really exciting time for me. Well, and we, we dive in on all things New York football giants. We will, we'll get into, obviously, this Packers matchup. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, the lines that are out there and, and dive in a little bit deeper on those than even we normally do because after the holiday, we're coming in kind of late here, leading you in on the Sunday morning. Uh, one of the things I'll start with, uh, of course, around this holiday season is about forgiveness, but I cannot forgive the people on social media, Andy. I, I, I have not yet adapted to the troll mentality, but, and I don't even know if it's necessarily troll. This is just something as a footnote. 
uh, we all know we signed Leonard, uh, traded for Leonard Williams, and there's talk about them uh, about assigning him long term. Over on social media, there was a post up there about how uh, the Jets have just exploded with sack numbers over the last three games, uh, basically since the trade of Leonard Williams, really kind of banging that drum about how how terrible Leonard Williams is. And you had kind of red flagged this for me, and I could not help myself, had to get back involved there, that Leonard Williams has led the team, uh, led the New York Giants in those first two games alone that he was on the roster. He had, uh, I believe it was 17 QB pressures, had seven hits, uh, led to a lot of, uh, I think it was 10 hurries on the quarterback as well. So the numbers are there in terms of getting pressures. And then on the other side of things, if you're the Jets, listen, they're having a better season than us now at this point. They've won some games, and that's fantastic for them. Two out of those three games that they had were against us and our terrible offensive line, and then against the Washington Redskins and one of the worst offensive lines in the league. So this is all just to say, if you want to talk about something, feel free to do the research on it, because otherwise, all you're doing is pulling, as I said to you before we started recording, farts out of the air and trying to make it smell like roses. Yeah, and, and the thing I, f- I find most interesting is, you know, people were pulling those stats about how the, the Jets ranked first in the last three games in sacks and it was basically only just to say good riddance to Leonard, Leonard Williams and you know yeah. from from what I what I've heard you know he he was a great guy in the locker room the team liked him he did get a lot of of pressures on the quarterback and it just seems like uh an unnecessary shot at, at Leonard Williams when uh he was a model citizen for the, for the franchise while he was there yeah, and I just done this. I just did the the We Got Nets podcast with Doug. We we're talking about the same thing about the Kyrie Irving piece from Boston and everything. You know, everything that went on there. At a certain point, as a, as fan bases, really feel free to move on and focus on you know on your team and and be happy that you're winning games. You know, the Jets, you guys are winning games. Shouldn't that be the most important thing? Feel great that you're getting the sack numbers, but I don't know why it has to be baked into an article. Uh, you know, disparaging the guy that isn't there because then it just feels like you're still talking sour grapes. That being said i had to get that off my chest because unfortunately andy likes to just kind of email me over little bullet points from social media and see if it derails my evening which it does and most times adam you you let it go by the wayside but this time you you basically looked at me and said okay i'll bite and here we are with Leonard williams but i digress Talk, talk to me a little bit about your expectations for this game against the green bay packers yeah, listen, it's, it's a Sunday morning here. You and I are both soccer fans. So we got that going in the background. We're talking about it being an ugly day out there on the field at 1 o'clock. Uh, coming into it, we're talking about uh, Giants getting seven right now. The over-under has been set at 43. And you actually have, I think, a couple of maybe insights in and around this Packers team in terms of, of where they rank right now as an 8-3 and three team coming into this game. Um, you know, low bar of expectations for me, as we said, I'm diving deep inside the numbers. So uh, I'm going to be watching for the Sam Beal and uh, DeAndre Baker piece. We saw them sharing snaps last week. And, and that's kind of where my eye gets drawn uh, initially. Yeah. And, and as you said before, I, I took a look at the, the stats for the Packers. They're obviously eight and three. Um, they're first in the NFC North right now. They look to be a playoff team. They look to be one of the top five or six teams uh, primed to make a Super Bowl run. And, you know, that's usually not a surprising thing to say when you have a team that, that's led by Aaron Rodgers, who uh, by most measures is a top five quarterback in the league. Mm-hmm. When, when you actually look at the numbers, the the Packers are very mediocre and middle of the road in a lot of statistical categories. They're 13th in passing yards a game. They're 19th in rushing yards. They're 12th in the league in points per game. So, you know, they're giving up 22 points uh, on the defensive side of the ball. So 
they're very middle of the road. And if you were to just say those stats out loud without showing the team or the, or the logo, you, you would probably say that you have a, you know, a six and five team, a five and six type team. Instead, these Green Bay Packers are eight and three and Aaron Rodgers, you know, has Super Bowl aspirations. Yeah. And, and I mean, listen, I guess, you know, the needle does move when you have Aaron Rodgers because it, it is that get, get him to the playoffs and see what can happen kind of mentality. Uh, it's been weird, I guess, because this team has been a little up and down in terms of the consistency. We all know uh, it took a bit of a tongue lashing there at the hands of the San Francisco 49ers. And that was really, I think, a little bit of a wake-up call for them in terms of maybe where they, they stand right now. Because as you look through, this kind of can go hand-in-hand hand here, because I had almost wished that they had a better game against the 49ers and maybe the Giants, you know, would catch them off guard or sleeping somehow this week. But now it feels like you're setting up for very much a statement game from them. But as you look around the NFC overall, you're talking about San Francisco, you're talking about Seattle, uh, certainly New Orleans, and then the Minnesota Vikings are right there in the mix. I said this before we are going to start recording of how, right, the Packers will make the playoffs, but how much do you expect from them? Now, though, that I look around these standings, I got to be honest with you, who, you know, Dallas or Philly is going to come out of the East. Who would you really be after, let's say, San Francisco? You know, I would put them in a matchup against the New Orleans Saints and, and feel like, it, you know, it'd be a, I'd feel like a toss-up somewhat. I'd probably still be on the side of the Saints there. But I don't know how weary I would be. I guess I'm really just noticing how weak this playoff uh, bracket could look on the NFC side of things after San Francisco and then maybe after New Orleans, I guess you'd say. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're the two teams that I expect to, to finish uh, first and second, get that uh, first round by in the playoffs. I, I do think it, it is interesting, you know, f- for the Packers being tied with the Vikings right now and, you know, it feels like they get so much of a home field advantage when they play at Lambeau in freezing cold in January. So, so for them to, to be able to have those home games, they're going to have to win their division. They're not going to be able to, you know, tire or, or fall behind the Vikings and have to go on the road somewhere. The, the last thing the Packers want to do is, is go on the road to, to say New Orleans or go back to San Francisco uh, and have to deal with that defense and, and the pressure they're getting. So yeah. for me, I think it's it's critical that they win the division to be able to to get that opportunity. No, and that that probably is their biggest caveat. You win the division, you get a home game, at least you feel like you give yourself a good chance in that first round. But uh, depending on how things shake out, it looks like Seattle is going to be a wild card team unless they unless they are able to overtake San Francisco down the stretch here. Uh, would mark that down as probably being unlikely. And then you're talking about even in those second round matchups, you may find yourself in, you may find yourself, whether it is in San Francisco, you could find yourself somewhere later in the playoffs in Seattle, which we know is a tough place to play new Orleans. So you are lining yourself up for a difficult playoff run. But again, I think maybe in the first year of a new regime here, there had, there, there's some level of, you know, reasonable expectation where I think the wins this season is probably what's most important for the Packers and feeling like they've gotten themselves back into that quote unquote upper echelon, even if statistically some of the categories don't line up that way. And to wit, getting an opportunity to play the New York football giants today can certainly help them get to their ninth win and keep themselves out there ahead of the Minnesota Vikings who've already, already beaten us earlier in the year. So they don't have that luxury on the schedule anymore. Uh, Diving into this matchup a little bit, let's say, where do, where do your thoughts first go? How do you feel about what you saw last week from the Giants against Chicago? Is there anything new or exciting? I know we highlighted the Julian Love and Sam Beal piece. I, I just mentioned that before. I'm looking at some of the youngsters on the defensive side of this roster. 
uh, how, what, you know, where do you go for that? So Adam, you're looking a lot on the defensive side of the ball. I'm actually going to be looking a little bit more on the offense. You know, we have a ton of injuries right now, as, as most teams do at this time of the season, but no Golden Tate, no Red Ellison, no Evan Ingram, uh, you know, really limiting some of some of the offensive weapons that Daniel Jones is going to going to have. You know, the, the Giants, and, and for as well as Daniel Jones has played this year, are still 24th in the league in, in points per game at 19.7. So I'm really looking to, to see if we're going to have another uh, coming up party for, for Darius Slayton, knowing that he's going to get um, a lot of opportunities kind of slotting in and filling in for, for Golden Tate's position. Yeah, uh, certainly. And now another game back healthy for Sterling Shepard, a chance for him to, to try to get himself going a little bit better. Saw volume in targets certainly last week, not volume in yardage, though. Uh, be interesting to see how they try to match up him on the other side of the ball, given the fact that you're only going to have Slayton and, and Shepard are the two biggest concerns. We did see the, the Giants go to uh, Simonson, and then we also went to even our third or fourth string tight end, that it was Smith that we had signed off the practice squad, essentially. So, you know, maybe it plays into the Giants' hand that you have literally no idea which direction they'll come from. Normally in a game like this, you would think that you, you would want to identify Saquon Barkley as being the guy you need to shut down, quote-unquote. But as we've seen in these last handful of games, and we were talking about it both on and off our last podcast about the offensive line play, you know, Barkley just has not been able to be as big a factor in these games as you might expect, especially even in the passing game where he was such a large role last year. Do you think that it's more of the same in a game like this where they're just going to try to balance this, this offense out and spread it around as much as possible? Because I, I, don't, I don't see a path in the running game necessarily in between the tackles, certainly. Well, it, it starts and ends with the offensive line and being able to block for Saquon. I mean, let's be honest. The, since the Washington or, or Tampa Bay game where you know Saquon kind of went down with that ankle injury, he has not looked like himself. And while every report says he's not injured, and while everyone insists that he is healthy, he just does not look like the same player right now. And without having that dy- dynamic player in the backfield to uh, allow – Daniel Jones to, to run the play action pass, um, maybe, you know, keep some, some people away from the quarterback and not have constant pressure or people in the backfield. I think it starts and ends with Saquon. And I think you've seen, he's, you know, 15 yards, 25 yards, a game is not going to be able to help the offense enough. So I'm looking squarely in the backfield and, and wondering, you know, where is going to be the first point of contact when Saquon gets the ball, is it going to be at the line of scrimmage where he can start making, you know, shifty plays and, and his patented spin move, or is it going to be three yards behind the line of scrimmage, putting Daniel Jones in second and 13 or second and 11 and, and really, you know, putting the offense in a, in a predicament. Yeah. We've, we've highlighted so much that offensive line and the struggles that they've had, you know, one of the things I think we talked about off podcast after that the Bears game was about Jalapio getting pushed back at this in, in the center position. So then you're eliminating an opportunity for Daniel Jones to step up in the pocket and have a chance to look downfield if he has that opportunity. Obviously, we know about around the edge. I was just about to dive into and I'll wait a, a second here to get to the, the pro football focus side of things because we had mentioned some of those numbers a couple of weeks ago and I can actually highlight where they now stand and it should be. Uh, not alarming. It should be probably expected. But 
from the from your piece about Saquon Barkley and trying to get things going, whether or not he has time, I also think that at a certain point, and they called for this a little bit in the in the last couple of games, it's interesting you haven't seen anything from from Wayne Gallman. You know, I, I would have thought that Shermer would have tried to turn to a multi-back system at least somewhat, if for nothing else, to avoid having Barkley take that constant pounding throughout the game. And it just seems like they're locked into Barkley 100% back there. They're not using him in the passing game the way they had in the past. And then given the struggles, and even, even Barkley, because we do know, say it or don't say it, he is injured and he's having issues in the protection as well. And at the very least, Wayne Gallman has shown that he is an effective blocker. So uh, any, any expectation to see a little bit of a blend uh, with uh, Wayne Gallman here? Or do you think it is just more of the same where they're going to be running uh, down the throat, quote-unquote, for better or worse with Barkley? You know, the, the biggest problem that we have is that we get down so early in the game that it really limits the amount of, you know, running back touches in, in terms of handoffs and things like that. So, you know, the, it, it's kind of like a double-edged sword. The, the Giants want to get the ball in the hands of Saquon Barkley at least 20 times a game. I mean, that, yeah. that is the, the minimum uh, to, to feel successful. Well, when you're down 14 nothing the Giants almost feel the need to force these up the middle runs to Saquon Barkley just to be able to look at the stat sheet at the end of the game and say, well, at least we got Saquon 20 touches, right? Because if they're, if they're down two scores late in the game in the third and fourth quarter, you're going to kind of move away from the run and he's not going to get those touches. So it's just a, it's a weird situation where we get down 14, 17, nothing. We're playing from behind. The Giants still feel the need to get the ball to, to Saquon just to get that, that mm-hmm. touch mark up. And it, I don't know where that leaves Wayne Gallman. Yeah, I, I think you're, you're, you're right on that aspect of it. I do, this isn't to harp on Pat Shermer, really, but it's just to say that by the end of the game, like you, like you mentioned, to be able to say that we gave Barkley the ball X number of times, how could you look at me and think that it's, you know, the, the, the play call wasn't correct or we didn't get our star feature players the ball enough but if you watch over the last handful of weeks it's just not going to be effective this season right I mean that I mean it doesn't mean that Barkley can't break off a big run in this game and and flip the script on that stat line but that's also something that he did a a lot more last year right have 10 carries for maybe 35 or 40 yards or in that range and then break off a huge one for 50 or 60 and all of a sudden you see that stat line explode and it impacts the game so when he when he hasn't been able to accomplish that over these over these last games since the injury you're certainly just not seeing the defense have to really respect the perimeter runs as much and then we know what's been happening between the tackles certainly uh yeah it's a difficult one for me I think it's just a little bit of disappointment for, in that regard like I, I I want to see him playing better but I also know that the team around, like the team just isn't good right now. And that offensive line that I was speaking about, <laughs> excuse me, just to fill you in, if you remember a couple of weeks ago, we had highlighted this. I don't know if I mentioned the pro football focus grade specifically on here, but in case you're wondering, Jalapio was a little over a 55. He's now down to a 54 on the season. Uh, a guy like uh, Will Hernandez, our, our, you know, our, big, our big draft pick, second round, 34th overall. He's now down to 60. He was sitting up there at around 64 a week or so or two weeks ago. Nate Soldier, a guy that was almost up to 68, now playing below 67. So in case you're wondering, yes, these are all numbers that are trending in the wrong direction. And I think this is just starting to bear out over these last handful of games uh, that you're going to see this happen more and more with some of the matchups that they're going to face. So it's uh, – I don't know. Disappointing. Is that, was that where I want to, is that how I want to end that Andy? I, I, I was giving a lot of information. Then I just kind of 
I kind of ran out of steam on the whole, <laughs> on the whole, on the whole thing. It, it, it's kind of a small microcosm of the giant season, right? You see flashes of, of, of brilliance. And then at the end of the game, we kind of just sit there and say, well, that wasn't all that. <laughs> That's actually, yeah, that, that was pretty good. Um, yeah. Well, okay. Well, let's pivot. Let's just pivot to this a little bit too. Cause we want to go broad stroke here uh, in, in some regards where you, the over-under 43, How do you, what do you see in this game? I know we're going to do predictions later, but over-under 43 and that plus seven for the Giants. Do you think that those numbers hold any weight for us here? Or do you think that this is kind of, you know, potentially blowout city? Well, so there's a couple of interesting factors. So it's down to 43, no small part uh, due to the weather. Mm-hmm. So today in, in New York, I'm, I'm about 10 minutes from Giants Stadium as I record this podcast. There is going to be snow showers, a mix of rain and sleet, 100% chance of that happening. Uh, the high is going to be 40 degrees. So it's going to be a sloppy and cold and windy and frigid game like it is at the Meadowlands. So I, I, I could see this being a little bit of a lower scoring game. You know, uh, I, I don't speak too much in hyperboles about uh, the, the rain and how that dictates things, but any if you if any giant fan has been to the meadowlands when there's pouring rain and sleet and it's 15 mile an hour winds left and right uh there's not gonna be very many points put up over under on missed field goals in this one i'm gonna say one and a half over under missed field goals so i think we're probably good for a rosas miss based on the last uh few weeks and then you know we'll see uh I'm, i'm actually curious to see how aggressive this will make uh, both Matt LaFleur and, and Pat Shermer in terms of play calling. If it if you have a 48-yard field goal in the sleet and rain uh, on fourth and five, do you just go for it? Yeah, well, that's all I was going to say was even calling for a, a Rosa's miss is going to only I, – I, only if he's going to miss one close probably because I think if you're anything around that 30 or even down – even to the 25, you know, even from the – even from the 20, you're talking about 37, almost a 40-yard field goal from that range. If you're the Giants, I, I, I would anticipate them going for it a handful of times here if they find themselves in and around the red zone as opposed to trying one of those field goals. And then uh, it'll just come down – you know, if they can convert those – then I think maybe you find yourself at least early in this one. Maybe they can make a game of it just be, just by the sheer volume of attempts they're offering themselves. But that's also again dictated on being able to move the ball down the field, uh, pre- and predominantly it may take doing that uh, in the ground game and Saquon Barkley and this offensive line that we're talking about having some success there. On the on the other side of the ball, Aaron Rodgers, we all know, uh, you know, keeps on doing it for him. He's he's, he's uh, can completing sixty four and a half percent of his passes, has eighteen touchdowns, just two picks. The running game has certainly been big for them. You've got two guys in Jones and Williams, both averaging over four yards a carry. Uh, they've combined now for nearly a thousand yards on the season. What do you what are you looking to out of the running game primarily from the Packers? Because that that that's what's probably going to dictate turns. And do you still think that Rodgers is going to connect with Devonte Adams for a couple of big plays. Yeah, I mean it's been dis- disappointing with Devonte Adams having his ankle injury. He only has one touchdown on the year, still has almost 600 yards. Uh, yeah, you, you gotta like Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, the the two headed monster. And and you think in the wind, in the cold, in the rain, trying to gut out a victory on the road, they're probably going to lean on the ground game even more than they normally would. So you know, I'm expecting a, a big game on the ground. As I said before, they only average about. Uh, just over 100 yards, 103 yards uh, rushing. I would expect to see that number be a little bit higher, you know, based on the the weather conditions the of the volume. game. Yeah, and, and just just the the fact that you know those two combined are probably going to get somewhere around 30 touches. 
Do we get lucky uh, in that Jabril Peppers is going to miss this one and, and could miss the remainder of the season for the Giants? Uh, do we get a little lucky that the inclement weather maybe helps protect our, our secondary? We know that it'll, it'll be Julian Love uh, plugging in there. It got, got a lame duck interception last week, but I mentioned at the top of the show, this, this is always going to be the area that I'm looking to, I think, because it's the biggest area of evaluation for this team. I think that there's certain things that we know for a fact across the offensive line we want to correct in the offseason. But then in, in the secondary on the defensive side, we're sitting here looking at players like DeAndre Baker, now Sam Beal back in the fold, uh, Julian Love on the back end. You're going to that linebacking core, and maybe you're still, if you're a fan that's still assessing uh, Lorenzo Carter across the defensive line. There's so many things to look at on this defensive side of the ball. Is there any, any individual players? I'm not talking about how they do or if they can stop you know, the Packers or run game, et cetera. But what are you looking for from specific players on the defensive side for the Giants? Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. I, I don't know if I necessarily am looking at one specific player saying I want to see their progression, but I do think in its totality, I want to see all the young draft picks play and play a lot of snaps. And I think that's going to be more important to me than the, the win-loss at the, at the end of the game. You know, the, the Giants aren't making the playoffs this year. So what I want to see is I want to see us, you know, you talked about DeAndre Baker. You talked about Valentine. You talked about Love. You know, we have all these young players, you know, even Lorenzo Carter. I want to see just them getting as many snaps as possible to find out if we have holes that we need to fill next year or if we have these players on the roster who can be starting caliber at the end of the season. Yeah, and I guess you know the, the the totality of the defensive effort can also play a role. I think a lot of times it's easy to get lost in, and we're talking about the you know the Leonard Williams stat lines where you say if you didn't get the sack, then it was a failed play. If you don't get the interception, or if you give up the you know the the pass play to Aaron Rodgers in this one, it's a failure specifically on the cornerback. But I think we've seen it sometimes when we watch we watch back some of the replays afterwards, and you go, oh, okay, that was actually a blown assignment over here, or. The, hurt, the, the, the near sack, the almost play, the QB hit led to an incomplete pass or led to an, a turnover opportunity, whatever it may be. So I, I think seeing how this unit is playing together makes a lot of sense because you're going to have all these young players plugged in there. And theoretically, you go into next season or at least into the offseason and you're trying to check how many boxes, you know, how many boxes can I get here? And the interesting thing I will say, as we highlight that uh, Sam Beal has played to a, just about a 64 on uh, pro football focus, which is pretty, pretty positive for him. And is, you know, basically what feels almost like his rookie season. Uh, we mentioned at the top that he and Baker were splitting, splitting snaps. It was still in favor of Baker. I think it was basically like a 60, 40 split this past week. Uh, what I, what I like about that is that what you're offering uh, an offense is a look from a more physical cornerback in uh, Baker and then a lengthier faster, you know, follow you down the field kind of cornerback in Sam Beal. So I do like that they're combining those two players in that way. Uh, Ballantyne, I know that he did get beat up a lot this last game. It was not pretty, but he and uh, uh, Grant Haley are also now sharing some time in at that slot corner position. So you are seeing the things that we were calling for, getting these young players some, some opportunities and some snaps. You are seeing that now. And it'll just be interesting to see if the combination of these guys can pay dividends and that's why I do look at that Baker-Beal combo because I thought at times last week it did work out for them where they were able to get some stops, and certainly we saw a couple of forced turnovers there in spite of the losing effort against Chicago. 
Yeah, and I, I like that you're you're highlighting that we are seeing these players. We have been calling um, for these type of changes, and, and like you said, you know, Pepper's getting hurt is is unfortunate. Um, it does open up some time for someone like Julian Love, though, to to be able to get some time out there to to see what we have as we build uh, for next year. And while we are thinking about next year, we mm-hmm. still need to live in the present, Adam, That's and true. that means that we have prediction time. Do you like the cold, Andy? Do you like the wet and the rain of a NFL football game in New Jersey on a Sunday at the end of November. Because if you do, you can head over to the Vivid Seats app right now and go ahead and grab some tickets for this Green Bay Packers-New York Football Giants matchup. And if you do, download this app on iTunes or wherever you get those little apps of yours. You can uh, go ahead and get rate and rolled there on the Vivid Seats Loyalty Rewards Program. You're going to get credits back on each and every purchase that you make. You can get on there and find the perfect seat, the right row. You can look at little pictures where they give you exactly the view of what you're going to see when you get to the stadium. It's a fantastic opportunity to know exactly what you're going to get out of your ticket experience. And it's not just for the uh, NFL or the NBA, NHL, any of the sporting events. You can also dive on there for some of the theater tickets they got going on or maybe a concert you're looking to go check out. It's a fantastic app that we've been using, you've been using, I've been using. Let's all be using the Vivid Seats app. And right now when you go on there, new users can punch in the promo code OVERTIME, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E, and get up to $100 back on their first purchase. That's correct. For just entering the promo code OVERTIME, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E, and get up to $100 back on their first purchase. And everything comes with that 100% buyer back guarantee. As I've been saying, nothing in this life is guaranteed. I'm not guaranteed to have a hot bowl of soup on a cold day outside. But I am guaranteed 100% buyer back. That was weird. Head over to Vivid Seats now. I picked the Giants to win the game against the Chicago Bears last week. And halfway through the game, I felt pretty good. Um, and then, of course, uh, costly turnovers and and just making Mitch Trubisky look like a competent quarterback in the second half really uh, drowned us out and gave us, gave us a loss. And now you're tied on the season series with me in terms of predictions. You better believe it, buddy. It was the best mistake you ever made. And uh, I listen, this isn't not to go negative, but I, I didn't at any point Still, I didn't feel like the Giants were going to win that game. And again, it comes down to offensive line play. I know I took some gambles throughout the season here in terms of our predictions, trying to trying to edge you out. But when you look at the way the offensive line is played, that that's where you win and lose. And uh, they were still playing subpar football last week against Chicago. No running game. And that's really where it kind of pushes my needle over into saying that these are not games you're going to win. We talked about it. Uh, the Green Bay Packers are coming off that bad loss against San Francisco. They want redemption. It's going to be a sloppy game. That's fine. Packers are a better team. I'm going to go with the Packers in this one just to go ahead and get the ball rolling on our predictions. I'm not waiting for you to go, buddy. I know you're going to go Giants. We don't have to tell the fans you're going to go heavy Giants. <laughs> but I'm taking the Packers in this one. I saw some lines out there in terms of where this can go that had it, you know, 31 plus points maybe for the Packers that maybe can feel like a bit of a stretch given the weather. So I'm going to go a little bit on the lower side of things. I think in this one, I would take the under because of the sloppy weather and say Packers win this. I'll say Packers win this 24 to 10. Yeah, I think, I think um, we're all thinking if you've watched any, any Giants game, we're probably thinking the Giants aren't getting to 20 points because that's been a struggle for them this year. Um, what, what I found interesting is over the last you know, five or six games, 
Um, the Cowboys game is the only game uh, that wasn't a one possession uh, final score. So, you know, you had the Bears was a five point loss. The Jets was a seven point loss. The mm-hmm. Lions and the Cardinals were, were both five and six points respectively. So, you know, the Giants, and this is kind of what we talk about, is there, there's always one critical mistake in the third or fourth quarter that kind of dooms this team and they're, and they're really playing catch up, but, you know, down two scores of five minutes ago trying to, trying to get back into it. I'm I'm in the same boat as you. However, I do think that the Packers are going to put up more points, even with the inclement weather. I I do see um, an opportunity for them, uh, kind of a get-right game on offense after what happened with San Francisco. Mm-hmm. So I am kind of in the same boat as you, but I'm going to go Green Bay Packers twenty-eight, New York Giants thirteen. Okay. Yeah. So a little, little more action on both sides of the ball there. And I, again, I, I really do, by the way, if, if I thought that this game was, if this game is going to be played in clean weather, first of all, then I think you would see the Packers putting up 35 plus because it would, it would just be that easy for Aaron Rodgers to work it. And again, I'm looking more at the fact that I, I feel like this should be a game that it may take them a quarter and a half to get their cushion in terms of the Packers because of the weather. But they're, I think that they're just going to slowly work themselves down, get a couple of scores early and find themselves up 17, three or, you know, 14 to three at halftime and just kind of, and then, and then it's just grinding it out right in, a, in an ugly, in an ugly weather game. And I also think that there's no way you can not anticipate Daniel Jones having a potential fumble in this one, given all the sloppy weather you're going to have out there as well. So you could see a couple of short fields for the Packers, certainly early in this one that helps uh, get them out to what the Giants avoided last week, you know, a two touchdown deficit early. I could see it being a two score deficit, you know, like I said, 10, nothing, 13, three, as you're pushing towards halftime. And, and I, I just, this isn't a knock on, I, uh, we're still looking inside the numbers and, and trying to, find positives for these players but by and large when I just look at this team I I don't see how how you can expect them to have an offensive output in this game yeah it's it's going to be a struggle and maybe we're going to be wrong this time and maybe you know the offensive line will look competent and Daniel Jones won't turn over the ball and and Saquon Barkley will look like the Saquon Barkley of last year Um, but we haven't seen much of that combination so far this year so I think we're both kind of in the same boat. We expect the Giants to put up points you know, anywhere between 10 and 20, and the Packers to put up something between 20 and 30 in this game. Yeah, and we'll get out of here on this one. It is already 10 a.m. here on Sunday, so this thing gets wrapped up in a nice neat little – well, it was going to get wrapped up in a nice neat little package until I couldn't get the sentence out. Now it's going to be a disaster. But we'll get this one fired out there to you. You can follow us on so- social media during the game on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at one giant podcast and today uh, about 10 minutes before game time i will be going live on our sportscaster feed this is i don't know if it's something we've highlighted yet uh, in our wrap-ups of the show i've been going on and doing just some kind of background information about the roster different positions where we can look as we head towards the offseason potential free agents that we see in matchups that uh, we have so the green bay packers this weekend and then also just around the league some monday night thursday night game action as well so if you head over to sportscaster uh, spelled sports caster c-a-s-t-r leave out the e there you can uh, look us up at one giant podcast i'll be doing live game uh, action i'll go at least first two quarters on this one before ducking out the door depending on what i'm seeing if the giants are in it maybe i'll, I'll stick around but beyond that buddy anything you want the people to know about before we 22 skidoo 
No, you know, you're a glutton for punishment. So maybe you're, you're going to do the first couple quarters uh, of the game, even if uh, it looks like uh, the Packers are jumping out to an early lead, but yeah, hopefully uh, people can find us over on sportscaster. You know, it's something that uh, I know you've done uh, with the Brooklyn Nets podcast that you do. And, and we're starting to, to do it more uh, with the giants, just seeing the interest level that people have. Uh, but the one thing I'll say is no matter what, even in tough weather conditions, even when the team only has two wins on the season, there's one thing that we can agree on, and it's let's go Big Blue. You said it, buddy. Hit up the iTunes, download, like, rate, review, and subscribe. This has been One Giant Podcast. Podcast.